everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including three great guests. The Hall of Famer, Jim Rutherford. He helped bring a Stanley Cup title to the great state of North Carolina by building the Carolina Hurricanes up to that 2006 pinnacle. Many of you were there as Rod Brindamore lifted the Stanley Cup. Jim Rutherford took his turn a little bit later. He has won two more Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He went into the Hall of Fame officially earlier this week. He drops by today for another visit on the David Glenn Show. We'll talk hockey. We'll talk Hall of Fame. We'll talk Rod Brindamore, who may join Rutherford in that hockey hall at some point down the road. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, if there were such things for assistant coaches in college sports, Bud Foster of Virginia Tech would be among the first inductees. He actually coached under Frank Beamer way back when at Murray State for a while. And then for the entirety of Coach Beamer's legendary career at Virginia Tech. This season will be Bud Foster's last coaching in college football. Nowadays, of course, under Justin Fuente with the Hokies. The Hokies actually have bounced back from a really shaky start. Remember when they lost 45-10 to at home to Duke and were 2-2 two and two and people were wondering about not only the Hokies this season, but Justin Fuente in the hot seat. Well, they've won five of six since then, the Hokies have. They play Pitt this weekend as both of those teams are contenders in the ACC Coastal Division, seeking to represent that division against the Clemson Tigers in the ACC title game in Charlotte early next month. Bud Foster, the legendary award-winning defensive coordinator for the Hokies, will drop by. They've already had a Bud Foster day in Blacksburg. This weekend will mark the final home game for Bud Foster in front of those great fans in Blacksburg at Lane Stadium. Bud Foster will join us live in less than 60 minutes. Jim Rutherford will join us live to start hour number three. And in between one of our favorites on the NFL, you hear his voice on the Madden video game. You see his draft analysis for the NFL Network, and you catch him every week for the NFL on Fox. He's one of the great analysts in the pro football business. Former star Tennessee Volunteers safety Charles Davis is going to drop by in hour number two. We'll talk all things NFL with CD. Bud Foster, second hour. Charles Davis, second hour. So it will be a gridiron-filled second hour on our three-hour program today. Jim Rutherford, the Hall of Famer, to start hour three. Your phone calls, of course, are welcome on the various headlines of the day. The NFL, college football. The Canes got a nice win in Chicago last night, although it got a little scary in the third period. The NBA headlines included good things for LeBron James, not so much the return of Carmelo Anthony in an NBA uniform for the first time in more than uh, 12 calendar months. The Charlotte Hornets are only 6-8, and eight, but they are more interesting than originally anticipated. They're visiting the Brooklyn Nets tonight. We'll talk about what I see as the two most interesting things that happened in the NBA last night. Meanwhile, at the college football level, I will give you what I believe to be the single most jolting reality in last night's college football playoff committee rankings, or more generally, this year's 2019 college football playoff picture. 
there is at least one, maybe you see others, jolting reality the way things are unfolding right now compared to the way the first five versions of this verdict unfolded. Meanwhile, in college football, not only do we have the new rankings, not only do we have Penn State, Ohio State, and other important head-to-head matchups awaiting us on the weekend, we have App State still in the mix for perhaps a New Year's Six Bowl game. The Mountaineers will need some help to get there, but that picture becoming more and more clear with each passing week and each passing committee rankings. Elsewhere in college sports, there are more death threats toward athletes who disappoint fans on social media. It is a crazy day in American history. It has been a crazy week for some in college sports. We'll get to those details along the course of today's program. 1-800-849-2761 will allow for your participation, including on this NFL question of the day. What team do you see right now as one of the top Super Bowl contenders that you did not see that way three months ago while preseason games were unfolding in the month of August. I will give you my number one answer to that question and elaborate, and we will take yours at 1-800-849-2761. I see a number one crystal clear answer to this question. It's not the only good answer. We'll take yours. The question again, what team do you see as one of the top Super Bowl contenders right now that you did not see that way three months ago back in August. Now, if you're thinking the New England Patriots, I don't know where you were in August. We all saw them that way. If you're thinking the New Orleans Saints, I don't know where you were in August. Almost everybody listed the Saints that way. But the Saints of the NFC and the Patriots of the AFC have plenty of company. If you see a rock-solid, sure-thing Super Bowl champion, you're watching a different league than I am. Others have emerged. Some had high hopes and expectations in August. Others, not quite as much. What team do you see as one of the top Super Bowl contenders right now that you did not see that way three months ago in August? I'll give you my number one answer, and we will take yours shortly at 1-800-849-2761. That is your ticket into the program. Quick shout-out to my producer, Darren Vaught. He is a very busy man. He has other responsibilities besides the David Glenn Show. He will be calling NCAA tournament soccer tomorrow, right? You don't have a high point basketball game to call today. No, uh, although not until you will... Saturday. They're at home against Eastern Washington. That one's on ESPN+. And that'll be your voice on ESPN+, as correct. the new voice of the high point Panthers of the legendary coach Tubby Smith, correct? That is correct. All correct. Uh, USA Baseball on the back burner for a while beyond your <laughs> podcast? Yeah, beyond the podcast, no game responsibilities as far as they're concerned for a while clearly you have left david glenn show producer on the resume you got a hall of famer jim rutherford today one of our favorites on the nfl charles davis and arguably one of the greatest coordinators in the history of college football bud foster has joined us over the years but this visit will be more about bud foster i know he's going to want to talk about his team and can you make a run at an acc title and how'd you bounce back after that slow start we're going to force him to talk at least a little bit about himself because he did announce earlier this year that he is stepping away from coaching at the end of this season. It still may turn out to be a heck of a season for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Intern Will is our producer again today. He represents, always with distinction, William Peace University. And speaking of fine institutions, shout out to my friend Tim Crothers. Darren, you have not yet accompanied me 
to any of my speeches to any of the colleges or universities across our great state. No, I, don't I don't think I don't you have. Think so. Probably I don't think so. I know a lot of the times you couple them with big tailgate tour trips or something like that, but I don't think we've done that necessarily with me in the room. It's been a lot of fun. I feel like I've been to every at least sports-playing university in the state speaking to either a J school or a communication school or some professor listens to the show or a student recommends us to the show. We, of course, have been in TV a little, radio a lot, writing and editing, perhaps even more than radio over 33 years. So shout out to my good friend Tim Crothers of the UNC Journalism School. He was my host yesterday in Chapel Hill. A phenomenal author. I like to use the word wordsmith. If you've ever read Tim Tim Crothers' stuff, over the years as an author great book on Anson Dorrance for example the legendary UNC women's soccer coach also the queen of Katwe you remember that movie and book about the amazing young woman in Africa who learned chess and became a legendary chess player that's Tim Crothers book that became the Disney style movie amazing guy longtime Sports Illustrated writer and at this point a longtime member of the UNC Journalism School faculty, if you will. Shout out to everybody who played such gracious hosts for me yesterday in Chapel Hill. Bud Foster, second hour, Charles Davis, more football second hour. Jim Rutherford, the Hall of Famer, now of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but always in your heart as a Kaniac because he helped build those 2006 Stanley Cup champions right here in our backyard. Heck, he was one of those who helped introduce the National Hockey League, to the Carolinas more than 20 years ago. 1-800-849-2761. App State and other college football. Death threats to a prominent quarterback at a prominent college football program. A weird story that I'm not excited to share exactly, but I think there are some important life lessons therein. NFL question of the day. What team do you see as one of the top Super Bowl contenders right now? That you did not see that way three months ago, I'll give you my number one answer. It's not even close for me, although there are several good potential answers to that question for sure. Quick reminder, the Big Tailgate Tour is headed to Greensboro this Saturday morning and afternoon. It is the Aggie Eagle Classic. We'll be set up next to BB&T Stadium there, A&T's home field, as the Aggies host the Eagles this year in that in-state classic rivalry. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. will be our tents and games and prizes right next to BB&T Stadium before the Aggies and the Eagles go at it on the gridiron. It is another in-state rivalry a week from Saturday. It'll be Carolina at NC State. We are hoping that turns out to be the Bowl Bowl because if the Wolfpack beats Georgia Tech in Atlanta tomorrow night and the Tar Heels, as expected, beat Mercer of the FCS ranks, they would both be 5-6 and six going into that regular season finale at Carter-Finley. That means the winner would get the bowl and the loser would not get the bowl, hence the bowl bowl. We'll see if the Wolfpack and the Tar Heels can get their work done this week to set that up as the final regular season stop of the Big Tailgate Tour, driven by Continental Tire. As always, we end our season at the ACC football championship game in Charlotte. We know Clemson will be there. We are still waiting to see which of four coastal contenders will be representing that side of the fence. You want in on the NFL question of the day? I'll give you my number one answer. What team do you see as one of the top Super Bowl contenders right now that you didn't see that way three months ago? My answer and yours, I have a Christian McCaffrey status of the day the two most interesting things that happened in the nba last night and the single most jolting reality 
in this year's college football playoff picture? You can chime in on any of those, including the question of the day, 1-800-849-2761. That's next on The David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour of sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. New rankings and death threats. Yes, death threats in college football. The two most interesting things that happened in the NBA last night. One was good news, more of it for LeBron James. One not so good for the return of Carmelo Anthony. Hornets back on the court tonight. Hurricanes won on the ice last night. The single most jolting reality in this year's college football playoff picture. I was reminded of that last night when I saw the new committee rankings. I'm also rooting for the Mountaineers to get to a New York Six Bowl game. App State, of course. But I am making a list of the things that need to happen besides the Mountaineers winning out all the way to a 12-1 Sun Belt championship status. They're going to need help for that magic to happen. It would be, of course, the most special season since they made their jump to the FBS level. As we come to Art in Raleigh and others chiming in from Asheville and Boone and the triad to our west, Wilmington, Greenville, and other places to our east, you can be next on the NFL question of the day or the other headlines I mentioned. What team do you see as one of the top Super Bowl contenders right now that you did not see that way three months ago back in August? There are several potential answers to this question where I would not disagree with you. I'm steering folks away from the New England Patriots and the New Orleans Saints because virtually everybody thought they would be, if not Super Bowl favorites, they would be playoff contenders for sure, and in some eyes, playoff locks. So put the Patriots and the Saints and some of the other highest-regarded teams in the preseason off to the side. What team has joined the very top list of best chance to win the Super Bowl in your eyes through these 10 or so games, and you didn't see them quite that way back in August? The number one answer to me as we come to Art in Raleigh and you at 1-800-849-2761, and I think Art has the other best answer to this question. The number one answer to me is the Baltimore Ravens. If you have mostly been following your favorite team or your fantasy team, and you have not really hitched your wagon to the Lamar Jackson as MVP candidate story, or just as importantly in my eyes, I would not elevate the Ravens this way if it was only the evolution of Lamar Jackson in really his first full season as the Ravens starter. Remember, he ended last season as the Ravens starter, was outstanding for the most part in the regular season, but I think a lot of skepticism remained about Lamar and about the Ravens because of the way last season ended. He was, I believe, 6-1 and one as a starter in the regular season, and everybody knows he's one of the greatest athletes ever to play the quarterback position in the NFL, period. I don't think there's any debate about that. He is dangerous with his legs to a degree rarely seen in NFL history. And I grew up with Randall Cunningham as the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles in many years. And many of the records that Lamar Jackson is already setting early in his career are actually breaking some Randall Cunningham records from my childhood. So I have an appreciation for the style. I have an appreciation for the story. But it's easy to forget that after Lamar Jackson was 6-1 and one in the regular season, the Ravens get to their playoff game against, remember, it was Phillip Rivers and the L.A. Chargers. 
And I remember this game because it was not as nasty as it can be in early January in Baltimore, Maryland. When I think back to the Chargers' 23-17 win over the Ravens, I think back to fair reasons to doubt the evolution of Lamar Jackson. Doesn't mean you give up on him forever. Doesn't mean that you have anything against him. We all know Lamar Jackson, like Cam Newton, can be a polarizing figure, in part because he's a black quarterback, right? In part, in Lamar Jackson's case, because he was a guy where some were so skeptical that a legendary GM named Bill Polian infamously said, if that guy wants to stick in the NFL, Lamar Jackson, he better be willing to move to wide receiver. You know, Bill Polian since has apologized for that statement. But that's part of this journey. That's part of this story. In that game, that's January, remember, of this year, it was sunny and 50-some degrees in Baltimore. It was not one of those like the Eagles and the Patriots just played where the wind is blowing so hard that neither Tom Brady nor Carson Wentz, obviously against great defenses, could do much at all. And it was a low-scoring game, and the weather had something to do with it, and great defenses had to do with it. The Ravens managed only 17 points, led by Lamar Jackson at the end of his rookie year in the NFL, in large part because Lamar Jackson was not ready for the moment. And even against a Chargers defense that was not setting records the way, say, this year's Patriots are, it was a nice Chargers defense, not an elite Chargers defense. And Phillip Rivers managed a way to get the Chargers 23 points in not perfect but certainly not horrible January conditions and Lamar Jackson could barely complete half of his passes. And the Chargers confused him as a rookie quarterback while he was standing in the pocket. And as happens a lot with quarterbacks who are too run-oriented, in a big game against a quality opponent, Lamar Jackson still made plays with his legs. But when a postseason victory depended on what it almost always comes down to in the NFL playoffs, you better protect your quarterback so that he can make plays through the air, and you better be able to attack the opposing quarterback so that you get him off his spot and complicate his ability to make plays through the air. Lamar Jackson, as a rookie, despite all of his accomplishments, was not ready for that challenge against the Chargers. And that's why if you had some lingering skepticism, I don't think you were being unfair. I don't think you were being judgmental. I don't think you were being unrealistic. The question became, was Lamar Jackson going to do in the NFL what we all saw him do as an Atlantic Coast Conference player? If your memory is long enough to remember what Lamar Jackson looked like as a starter under a quarterback's guru, remember at the time, I'm no fan of Bobby Petrino, a horrible human being, but the guy is a heck of a football coach. There's just no doubt about it. When Lamar Jackson was asked to be a starter back when he was only an athlete, he was a horrendously bad college quarterback. He was like a deer in the headlights every time he went back to pass in the pocket. And unless his first read was there, he was running. He was tucking and running. He had no idea how to go through his progressions. He had not yet advanced his game in the mental part of the game. But another year under that Bobby Petrino guy and another year in the video room and another year of maturity physically, mentally, and with experience – and Lamar Jackson is not only a candidate for the Heisman Trophy, Lamar Jackson is edging Deshaun Watson for that Heisman Trophy. He dropped to the end of the first round, even though everybody's desperate for quarterbacks unless they already have one they love, because there was still some lingering skepticism, even after he showed that gargantuan leap 
while wearing a Louisville uniform. I'm telling you, he went from not just below average ACC quarterback. He went from hide your eyes, he has no idea what he's doing, high school level quarterback against ACC defenses to the Heisman Trophy winner. As I come to your calls, Art and Jalen and others, 1-800-849-2761. Lamar Jackson this year has had two perfect passer ratings. Two perfect passer ratings. It's got nothing to do with your running. And, of course, he's still an elite runner. When they – it was only the winless Bengals. He did deliver the longest touchdown run of his career in that game. But he actually joined elite company with his arm as well. You could have a really sharp, clear crystal ball and not have believed that by year two, Lamar Jackson would make this many strides at this level somewhat similar to how quickly he came a long, long way at the college level. He became the second player in NFL history to, pr to produce a perfect passer rating. That number only goes up to 158.3, and then it stops. Like, that's it. That's that, that's that metrics version of perfection. Bo Derek was a 10 in the famous movie of my childhood. 158.3 is a Bo Derek style 10 when it comes to passer rating. Lamar Jackson has done that not once, but twice in this same season. Only one other quarterback in the history of the league has had two perfect passer ratings within the same season. It happened to be Ben Roethlisberger of the Steelers a decade or so ago. Meanwhile, the evolution of the Baltimore Ravens defense into a top 10 defense is almost as important a part of this story. There are three and only three teams. If you go to Football Outsiders, a great analytics site if you're into that stuff, there are only three NFL teams right now that have both a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. Their names are the New Orleans Saints, which again, most of us saw coming even back in August. The Minnesota Vikings, to their credit, we saw the defense coming, didn't see as much of the Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook uh, explosion that we've seen under Mike Zimmer so far. And yes, the Baltimore Ravens. In case you're wondering, as I was, yeah, the Patriots barely missed top 10 in both. They're like 11th or 12th in offense while being number one in defense under Bill Belichick. Those are the best teams according to the numbers in the NFL. The Patriots and the Saints we knew about in August. That's unfolded the way most of us predicted. The Ravens, the Vikings, and a few others, I think, are in that upper echelon now in a way that was harder to predict three months ago. Art and Raleigh, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DG. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, man. I actually uh, met you at the Kane season opener. I was hanging out there with my little dog. Oh, very Long cool. Day. Yeah, man, I remember you. Art, you're a, you're a transplant from Russia, right? Exactly. How about exactly. that? And, and they see D, they say DG's getting old, Art. No, no, no. Got to wake up early in the morning to slide this past me, even as I'm losing my old man voice. Go right ahead. Oh, no, I got a little bit of cold myself. Um, so, obviously, you took the Ravens right out of my mouth. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, man, he's reminded me of uh, Mike Vick. Yeah, that's, and Mike Vick at his the, best, too, right? Yeah, exactly. Not early Mike Vick, late Mike Vick. When you talk yeah. about him. Um, on the other side of the of the pond, so to speak, um, I'm really surprised about it. I hate to say it because it's one of my best friends' uh, favorite teams. I got the Niners, man. Their I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're crazy. And in fact, as my staff and I were debating this during the uh, break, 
they think that the 49ers are actually the best answer to this question, and, and they're not crazy. I'm saying the, some saw the Ravens as a playoff team, and I had them, I think, you know, in the mix back in August. But I'm, I'm saying that I would agree that the 49ers – have even have changed even more minds to an even greater degree. The 49ers were out of sight, out of mind back in August for almost everybody. And now, of course, they're a playoff team. They have one of the best records in the league. I think the Ravens haven't traveled as far in terms of exceeding expectations. But the reason the Ravens are my first answer is I think they're good enough to win the Super Bowl. And the reasons the Niners are not my first answer, although, again, I'm not disagreeing with any of you who have them high on your list. I don't think the Niners can win the Super Bowl. I don't think Jimmy G in that offense, even with that amazing, stunning, off-the-charts, in some cases, historically great defense, there's nothing wrong with San Francisco on that side of the ball. To win it all, you better have some balance. And I think the Ravens do have that, as well as the Patriots have it, as well as the Vikings or the Raven or the Saints have it. Appreciate the call, Art. Great to hear your voice again. One, one other quick thing about Baltimore, and then we'll get other calls in. Jalen is in Mooresville. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. The Baltimore Ravens have gone head-to-head in recent weeks against Russell Wilson, MVP candidate, and the Seattle Seahawks, playoff-bound team. They've gone head-to-head against Tom Brady, GOAT candidate, and the New England Patriots playoff team. They've gone head-to-head against Deshaun Watson, MVP candidate, until maybe the Ravens shut him down the way the Panthers were the only other team, remember? Carolina also shut him down. Maybe the the, feather in the cap for Ron Rivera as he tries to build on a mediocre 5-5 record. The Ravens played Russell and the Seahawks, Brady and the Patriots, Deshaun Watson and the Texans. They not only beat all three, they beat them by an average of 22 points. Now, folks, we all know you got to be healthy by the time the playoffs begin. We all know that November 20th is not the time to crown anybody. My point is, if the playoffs started now, With how the Ravens are playing on offense and defense, it would be hard to bet against them winning the whole thing. If they have or can get home field advantage, and remember because they've beaten the Patriots, if there is a tie at the end of the regular season and it's just the two of them, that tie goes to the Ravens and they would get that home field rather than having the ridiculously, historically problematic assignment of having to go to Foxborough to figure out, you know, in January, to figure out a way to beat Belichick and Brady and the New England Patriots. Not that it would be easy to beat them on your home field the way you decimated them uh, just within the last month or so, but the Ravens belong in that same conversation at that same level with the Patriots, with the Saints, with whoever else you like as the best bet to win this year's Super Bowl, 1-800-849-2761. More of your phone calls on the NFL question of the day. On the other side, what team do you see as one of the top Super Bowl contenders right now that you didn't exactly see that way three months ago? Death threats in college football. App State's shot at the best season since its jump to the FBS level, maybe a New Year's Six Bowl game. And what we can learn life lessons-wise from this story about a prominent player on a prominent team who, after letting his fan base down, had some who claimed to be rooting for his team issuing death threats to him on his social media accounts. Is that where the world is? Is that really where we are? And if you see somebody doing such things, 
Are you being a better friend by saying uh, nothing? Or are you being a better friend by saying, hey, bud, you know, that's probably a bad idea. I don't care how late in the night it is. I don't care how many beers you've had. I don't care how much, how disappointed you are that your favorite team lost. Do you think the star player might also be disappointed that your favorite team lost? You, you Maybe. Maybe he's a little more invested in it than you are. If your friend is about to send that tweet or that Instagram post, are you a better friend if you say nothing? Are you a better friend if you say, uh, hold on, dude, is, is this really a good idea? I'm disappointed in the people who say, I'm a better friend if I just go with the flow. Wow. I hope you don't live your whole life unwilling to stand up for what's right and stand up against something that's despicable in every sense of that term. More on that actual story from the college sports world with more of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friend said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? It's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show, one of the greatest coordinators in college football history. Bud Foster of the famous Lunch Pail defense at Virginia Tech. His Hokies are still in the running for a trip to the ACC title game. They have Pitt this week. They've already honored Bud Foster at Lane Stadium a couple weeks ago. They get the Cavaliers in the regular season finale. We'll see how that shakes out. But since he announced earlier this year that he is stepping away from coaching at the end of this season, we wanted to catch up with him at least one more time. So Bud Foster is going to join us live in about 25 minutes. If there were a Hall of Fame for assistant coaches, he might be the first inductee. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, Jim Rutherford, formerly of your Carolina Hurricanes, now of your Pittsburgh Penguins, earlier this week inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. The guy who built the 06 Canes Stanley Cup champion will join us live in hour number three. Charles Davis on the NFL later, Jalen and Nick and others want in on either the college football, college basketball, NBA, NHL, or NFL headlines of the day, including the question of the day. What team do you see as one of the top Super Bowl contenders right now that you did not see that way three months ago back in August? My Baltimore Ravens are the answer to the question. San Francisco 49ers getting a lot of votes as well. You can jump in with yours at 1-800-849-2761. One item of breaking news, and then the one thing I promised from the college football world. The breaking news, especially important if you, those of you, for those of you who, like me, value match play in golf as the most compelling drama that that sport has to offer, more the Ryder Cup than the President's Cup. Ryder, of course, USA against Europe. President's Cup is USA against the rest of the world, the non-Europe part of the world. President's Cup this year is in Australia. The Americans are always favored in that international event. The number one player in the world, Brooks Kepka of Team USA, did announce earlier today that because of a knee injury, he has withdrawn. He wishes, of course, his teammates luck in Australia next month at the President's Cup. Playing captain Tiger Woods has replaced Kepka with Ricky Fowler, who has plenty of international experience in these kinds of settings. Just something quick to pass along from a little bit earlier today. Charles Davis and Bud Foster next hour. Jim Rutherford, third hour. Your phone calls now at 1-800-849-2761. The one thing I promised from the college football world, 
And I am fascinated as a human being. Put aside how much you love sports. Some of us are obsessed by them. Some of them like sports only. To, some of you like sports only to the degree that they show you things about fellow human beings, good or bad. I'm compelled by all of it. And I'm also frightened at times. I'm disappointed at times when I read stories like the one emanating from Penn State University, the school that I grew up rooting for as a youngster in the Philadelphia area. You know, Philly's mostly about pro sports. There is no great college football team right there in Philly. So back then it was Joe Paterno pre-scandal. The Nittany Lions were often really good. So a big chunk of the state of Pennsylvania. I know Pitt Panthers fans will claim the western part of the state. But a big chunk of the state would root for Penn State. The Nittany Lions were often in the national championship picture and even jumped up and got one. So Penn State's quarterback, remember the Nittany Lions, until its first loss, their first loss, were right in this college football playoff mix. And they're actually still in it as a one-loss resume. Penn State's quarterback, Sean Clifford, told reporters yesterday that he deleted his social media accounts after receiving death threats and vulgar messages regarding the Nittany Lions' first loss of the season. That was at Minnesota back on November 9th. Quote, I usually delete it closer to games, but I completely deleted it after the Minnesota game. It's kind of sad to say, but you know how fans sometimes get. It gets a little crazy. I was kind of, I guess, sick and tired of getting death threats and some pretty explicit and pretty tough-to-read messages. Things got so serious. And I'm telling you, folks, a lot of you think social media posts are all fun and games. If you get too specific about your threat toward a specific person, maybe at a specific time and place, you can have law enforcement knocking on your door ready with the handcuffs. So if you play this ridiculous, stupid, dishonorable game that makes me look at you with disdain, you know I don't pull any punches on this stuff. It's, if you don't want to be described this way, don't act this way. It's very simple in my world. Death threats, this is again from people who claim that this is their favorite team in most cases. Now I know people do dumb stuff late at night after drinking or otherwise. I know fans are frustrated. Just remind yourself, the players are even more frustrated, the coaches as well. There is no excusing this kind of behavior. And for those of you who think it's just a funny thing, keep in mind that while some people are joking as they get extreme, other people are really that mad. And maybe they're not polishing the rifle to go out and hunt somebody down and actually kill them. Fortunately, in most cases, they're not. There are real examples where real people post these kinds of threats and then act them out. It has actually happened in the real world, in our country, in this calendar year. And yes, you can get arrested for it. Again, the Penn State police, according to a school statement, are aware of these allegations against the Penn State quarterback, and they have been providing support to the affected student. Student safety is the university's top priority. I ask of anybody who may be listening today as we come to your calls on the NFL and these other topics, why would anybody tolerate or normalize unacceptable, outrageous, lawless behavior? Why would you do that in your life? Why do you have so little respect for yourself that if you see something like, I'm not even talking about the people posting this nonsense on social media. There are bad people, there are late night drunk jokesters, and then there are people who are seriously 
in this horrible place mentally, filled with hate and rage, sometimes over race or other American society issues, sometimes because their favorite team lost a football game, as in the Penn State case. If you want to be a part of a better world, I know that not everybody is wired for confrontation the way I am. Darren, you know me very well after four years. Do you know many people who are less afraid of conflict or confrontation than I am when I'm motivated? Would I rather do it? No. But if it's important enough on a 100-point scale, what is my willingness to be confrontational, my willingness to enter conflict, if it's important to me? And again, I let most things go. (laughs) On that 100-point scale, where would I fall in your three decades of life experience? Giving those criteria, it's at a 100. And I don't, I don't know that it can be topped by anybody that I know. Maybe, maybe matched, but not topped. If you only remember me for a few things during your <laughs> long and illustrious career, long after your time at the David Glenn Show, I hope, you know, I've been a good husband and a good friend and a good father and a good son and all those other things. Please put that somewhere in the top five because I'll tell you what, I'm going to die trying to make the world a better place. I am not – if you are a commissioner in baseball – and you something you see something truly lawless and outrageous. This is what Rob Manfred, MLB commissioner, is dealing with right now. As there's more and more evidence the Houston Astros cheated their way to the playoffs in the same year they won their only World Series. If you are not going to stand up and be counted in life when you see that kind of outrageous, lawless, against-the-baseball-rules behavior, stealing signs with electronic equipment when the rules explicitly say you're not allowed to do that, when are you ever going to stand up? When? If you are the friend of the person tweeting death threats to the Penn State quarterback, whether it's 10 p.m. or 2 a.m., and you are clear of mind enough to object why? I, again, I don't expect people to be as wired for confrontation as conflict and conflict as I am. You learn it in law school. To a degree, you learn it in journalism school. Heck, to a degree, you learn it as a child in the city of Philadelphia. We're not all created the same. I am stunned sometimes and disappointed that because there is a beautiful, a beautiful tradition in the South and other places of being civil, being polite, that that can be valued so much that someone can conclude the best thing I can do here is just mind my own business and do and say nothing. Like, isn't there a flip side to everything? Are you really being the better friend, the better person to say, well, he shouldn't be doing that, but no, it's not my business and he's probably not going to hurt anybody, but he's going to send a death threat to the Penn State quarterback and you're with him and you're not going to say anything at all? If you're the commissioner, take outrageous, lawless behavior seriously and punish it to the absolute limits of baseball law. If you're the NFL and you see what Mason Rudolph of the Steelers did, yes, was bad. Nobody's describing him as an angel. But pushing and shoving and even, yes, running toward another player who still has his helmet on, Miles Garrett, there's not all that unusual distinctions in that picture my if miles garrett were in an alley with no witnesses and three members of the steelers came at him that'd be one thing 
He's on a football field filled with zebras with tens of thousands of witnesses while still wearing his helmet. Mason Rudolph's misbehavior was normal misbehavior. When you get to the point that it's outrageous, it's unacceptable, it's extremely lawless behavior. Miles Garrett using the helmet as a weapon to club the unprotected head of Mason Rudolph. If you're not going to draw lines there, when are you going to draw lines? For crying out loud, I can't digest the idea that you're the better friend by saying nothing to your idiotic and perhaps dangerous friend who's tweeting death threats to a college athlete who already feels bad about his interception contributing to the loss in the big game. Are we really at a point as a society where we can't see that bigger picture? Is there a percentage we could put on those who think that way? And how do those same people, you are so narcissistic and self-centered that your disappointment in losing a Penn State football game leads you to the conclusion that you should attack somebody who has been so successful in his life that he gets all the way to Penn State's starting quarterback position and wins eight straight games and then loses one while throwing interceptions at Minnesota. And yet your view of that universe, I mean, this is starting to sound like mental illness, and I'm not exaggerating. Your view is that you have suffered, and you've suffered so badly you're going to attack the guy who was actually in the trenches trying to win after a lifetime of accomplishment when we're not sure exactly what you've ever accomplished while tweeting from grandma's basement. Why? Why do people? I, I like respectful people, too. I like polite people. I don't even mind shy people. But there has to be a time where you're willing to stand up and say, no, Miles Garrett, no Houston Astros, no death threats Twitter guy, no pathological liar in public office. I'm not putting up with this stuff. It is outrageous. It is lawless. It's indefensible, and it's unacceptable. You can still be shy, polite, civil, and all of those things. You are doing a disservice to yourself if you stand quiet when those things are happening right in front of your eyes and right under your nose. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, And the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. If there were a Hall of Fame for assistant coaches, Virginia Tech's defensive coordinator of three decades plus would be one of the original inductees. He was honored in Blacksburg earlier this month. He plays his, he coaches his final game there before stepping away from coaching this weekend as the Hokies host Pitt. They're still in contention for an ACC Coastal Division Championship. Bud Foster next. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports, who we'll, we'll passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show.